Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, June 30th, 2017. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Tiffany, Doug, Gabby, and Erica. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. We are missing Elliot today, so we wish him well, and we hope to see him again soon. Um, <clears throat> today's topic is uh, corporal punishment. Is it abuse or discipline? So the Bible says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Uh, but what exactly is the rod? Uh, should we be listening to the Bible anyway? <laughs> 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 but uh, does it just mean discipline is in teaching, guiding, and setting a proper example? Um, kind of the vanilla definition, you know, or does it mean, you know, what is the widely accepted view, which is actually smacking, hitting, spanking? What What is okay here? This is our our curiosity and we were talking before the show we realized it's going to be kind of and he disappeared <laughs> oh no i was gonna say huh? <laughs> it's we have to define what discipline is we have to define what is harsh discipline we have to define abuse there's a whole lot of definitions that go into this and i think that a lot of different parenting practices often get lumped in together and I think there's the assumption on a, the part of a lot of these researchers that if a parent uses corporal punishment, then that's the only method that they use. That's just my thought. It could be entirely wrong. Hmm. But, yeah. It's a lot well, of gray was, area there. <laughs> a lot. There was actually a definition in one of the articles where they actually they didn't say corporal punishment, but they said coercive parenting. Yes. And that kind of was this umbrella term that included anything like somewhat harsh. So it could be actual corporal punishment like spanking or hitting, um, but it even included yelling mm-hmm. so um, or pinching or, or other things. So it's, yeah, I think, I think you're right that the definitions are a little bit hazy. But um, I guess corporal punishment is fairly well-defined though, right? It's anything that involves some kind of violence, mm-hmm. um, for in, in an attempt to correct behavior, yeah, of a physical nature, right? Of a physical well, and nature. in the past, it was considered like a degrading form of public punishment, intended to like inflict harm or pain, and uh, it was it's been viewed as barbaric because it was often associated with like the slave trade and servitude, undeserved mm-hmm. beatings, and lacking accountability. So it's a pretty general term. Mm-hmm. My stereotype of uh, corporal punishment comes from Victorian England, you know, uh, movies mm-hmm. <laughs> of the old England, and and that's the you know part of uh, of my culture. No, it's, it was not part of my culture. I did mm-hmm. got spanked though. I was oh. raised. Um, I don't know. Well, our background was uh, Russian Korean, and uh, I have to say that. I cannot say it was a completely negative experience. I think it was quite disturbed. <laughs> but it happened very rarely, you know. Very, yeah, it was not the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the research, too, they talk about um, ages. And we were talking before the show about it. And it seems like, yeah, spanking and corporal punishment for your two-year-old or a one-year-old, or a one-year-old, where they're like not even necessarily old. verbal, is a lot different than say a seven or eight-year-old 
that has a little bit more self-awareness. I mean, they're not completely self-aware at all, but so I think we should probably discuss that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting that the, the majority of the articles that we looked at for this show, well, actually all of them, as far as I could tell, had a negative um, opinion of corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. Like they, they really, none of them had anything positive to say. And they were all saying that in the literature, there isn't really any evidence that it has any benefit whatsoever. I do question that a little bit though. I, I think too. that maybe, maybe it has its time and place. I certainly don't think that kids should be getting spanked often, like all the time for any little indiscretion, like, Oh, you spilled some of your milk spanking. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it yeah. seems to me like there's maybe more appropriate time and place. Like, when you really are trying to instill um, a very important lesson that the child maybe wouldn't really be able to understand if you were verbally telling them mm -hmm. um, or maybe not understand the, the degree of seriousness of it or something like that. Like, you know, pain can be a very good enforcer of lessons. So I can see how maybe, you know, if somebody, if your kid is going to be going and playing in the street or something like that and you're trying. Oh, I think we lost Duke. Uh oh, I, if I can. Oh, I'm sorry, Doug. We lost you for a second. I was pick up. Oh. Yep, he's still can, gone. I'm still gone. Yeah. You guys can't hear me. We can it's now. Kind of choppy. But... Oh, you can now. Okay. To your point, Doug, and I'm, I'm sorry I got cut off at the beginning there. My connection dropped for a second. Um, but uh, it, it's hard to talk about that with, with not having kids, you know, mm -hmm. like you can you can sympathize. But I don't know if you can really empathize as someone who doesn't have kids to a parent-child relationship. Like I, I see it, observe it. Anyway, my point being, I wonder if there are times where it's like it's not so much about whether or not it's beneficial. It's just necessary. Uh, I've seen that mm. with friends that have kids in different situations where for whatever reason, the child is recalcitrant and they're like, say, scratching up something, you know, that they shouldn't be, or they're like wailing on another kid and it's got to stop. And at that point, it's not like, is this going to help or not? It's like, I just need to stop what's happening right now. Mm. And I feel like maybe a lot of parents get wrapped up in that moment, like just knock it off, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I have raised kids, <laughs> and uh, so I can I, I can just speak about my own experience. And I had two very distinctly different children, and um, I definitely used spanking. But I think a key factor is that whether or not you are in control in the situation. So I think that's the fine line there. You know, if you are using spanking as a means of discipline and you basically, like you were saying, Jonathan, just get fed up and lose it, I think there's going to be negative consequences. But if you can mm -hmm. remain calm in the moment, it's like you're saying, when it's a life or death situation, like I've definitely been in a situation where I've grabbed my kid by the arm and yanked them out of the street mm -hmm. because they yeah. were going to kill themselves. And would that be construed as child abuse? Well, in that moment... You're scared, but and the child is scared too, but you need to react. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a moment-by-moment -moment experience. Mm -hmm. And then I have definitely had points where I was so frustrated <laughs> that, you know, I, I, I choked my kid. I'll admit it. 
<laughs> not in a you know i wasn't gonna kill her or anything but i i lost control i was at my wits end and she wasn't two years old she was like 12 so mm-hmm. that's you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so it's really it's really about learning as a parent how to navigate those waters and and do the right type of discipline based on you know as clear thinking as can be possible in that moment and not letting your emotions take over yeah and I have seen plenty of parents lose it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that's where I think the spanking and corporal punishment can cause damage. Yeah. Well, in a lot of the articles that we read in preparation for this show, a lot of the information came from one researcher named Murray Strauss. And I think he was involved with the NIH and it's well known. He passed away in 2016, but he was a well-known child researcher, did a lot of research on spanking and corporal punishment. But uh, like somebody said earlier, all of the articles and pretty much all of the research is all having the view that spanking is negative. And a lot of the research that I went and read, you know, after trying to prepare for this show, they all approached the question of, of corporal punishment, they all approach the research and viewing it as something bad. So right away, they already have this idea in their head that spanking is bad. So their research actually just reinforces what they already believe in certain respects. But uh, in one article that I read, they were talking about like a meta-analysis of 88 studies. And in those studies, they said that practically all parents all over the world very few exceptions here and there use corporal punishment. And I'm thinking, and they did another one where they talked to a bunch of college-age kids, and they said that at least 99% of those college-age kids experience corporal punishment as a child. So my thinking was, if pretty much everyone uses corporal punishment, almost everyone has gotten corporal punishment, then corporal punishment leads to everything, not just bad outcomes, it can lead to <laughs> geniuses and artists and very well-developed adults, as well as sociopaths and criminals. So uh, I, I don't really put much stock into a lot of the research that I'm reading because there's so many vague questions that they ask. And I mean, there's gradations to corporal punishment. You can have a light pat on the bottom or you can, you know, be getting beat with a paddle with holes in it (laughs) to outright child abuse. I mean, a lot of the research failed to make the distinction between those types of things. Well, one of the interesting articles, too, was uh, Smacking Hits Kids IQ, in which Strauss was discussing research that they had done. And um, they talked about how, you know, it affects intelligence and you know it it could cause an intellectual mediocrity but one thing that Strauss pointed out was that what was even more important was whether or not mothers provided cognitive stimulation so again it's like lumping this idea mm-hmm. that it's just corporal punishment but not all the other factors like whether there's neglect or there's care and love yeah. in the family i mean well another one of those articles where they talked about how uh hitting a kid like if they're young, one to two years old or something like that, can have uh, negative outcomes on their intelligence. Mm 
And they failed to mention in the particular article, but that was in the research paper, all these kids were low income and they were all in Head Start. So how much does being poor and being in daycare all day affect your intelligence? Mm -hmm. I don't think they can tie that directly to corporal punishment. And even in uh, some of Murray Strauss's research papers, he said that the link between corporal punishment and poorer outcomes is inconclusive. Mm-hmm. He said that. Yeah. Himself. Yes. Mm. Corporal punishment seems to be also like a confounding factor because if they mm-hmm. just studied like poor people or, you know, it could be anything else. And uh, for me, it is interesting because, okay, most people have an experience of spanking, at least, you know, and uh, corporal punishment is banned all over the world except like for a few countries here and there, but. It's not allowed in any country like since decades, you know, so mm-hmm. so that's interesting, too. And we're definitely seeing well-behaved children out there in the world. <laughs> yeah. And you, you also have to keep in mind that a lot of these studies, uh, they're focusing on poor people, lower income, captive audiences like college kids. They don't study like uh, the elites or the super wealthy and how they parent their children. Yeah, you'll never see any band of social workers going out to some uh, walled in enclave in Beverly Hills and (coughs) listening to their parenting styles for a few hours (laughs) like they do a lot of these other people in their studies. Right. Well, there's one uh, question in the chat here where Chatter asks, did any of these articles speak on a child's temperament or resilience and how that factors in? One thing I remember reading more than once was that um, uh, children who are um, subjected to corporal punishment actually will become more violent themselves. Mm-hmm. And they kind of uh, looked at um, children, if I remember correctly, it was like at two years old, if they were um, given corporal punishment, they would evaluate them again a couple of years later and found that those who you know, were um, getting spanked or whatever uh, form the punishment was taking did tend to be more violent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether you can actually draw solid conclusions from that or not, it's hard to say. But um, it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I feel like it has to come down to frequency and severity, right? I mean, it's a, it's a wide range of uh, situations. I mean, like I was, um, you know, <laughs> you may object to me saying this, but my dad smacked me once when I was a kid. Uh, and it was a weird situation. We were cutting wood in the shop and I was using a hacksaw to cut wood which is for metal, right? So he was like, don't use that, use the wood saw. We went back and forth, and I was like, I'm just going to use the hacksaw. And he smacked me in the face. And it was like, <clears throat> I don't know if he was having a bad day or what the deal was, but we never <laughs> talked about it after that. And I've, I feel like it was fine. I mean, it, I don't think it impacted me that negatively. But I was also spanked, like, give or take 10 times, 10 to 15 times throughout my life that I can remember. And that, I don't, I don't remember that in a bad way, you know, or like my parents were aggressive towards me or anything like that. So it's it's different, but that you know that is not uh, somebody who was beaten by a belt or beaten with a belt by their father. You know that is an entirely mm-hmm. different universe. So it, it's mm-hmm. there's a it's a spectrum. And I think it boils down to temperament as well, because you're a good person, but I do have uh, the experience of somebody being spanked and yes, becoming more violent and reacting more violently physically later in adult life. You know. Mm-hmm. And this, I shared the, my childhood with this person, and nevertheless, I 
did not turn that way either. <laughs> you know, like, you know, more violent, mm. you know, responding physically violent, you know. I could have a panic attack or, but, you know, I will not lash out on anybody, you know, physically. I think what's difficult to tease out in a lot of this research done on corporal punishment, um, and they do address that sometimes, um, is it that poorly behaved children receive a lot of corporal punishment or is it kids who get a lot of corporal punishment have poor behaviors? It's kind of hard to make that distinction in the articles. But one thing that they did bring up a lot is that maybe corporal punishment doesn't lead to poor outcomes if otherwise the mother or the primary caretaker's parenting style, you know, they're responsive to their child's needs. They're otherwise loving and caring. Uh, so maybe in that situation it would be okay, but I think you have to look at corporal punishment in the context of the overall style, parenting style of the parent. Like, is mm-hmm. it corporal punishment and that's the only response to any kind of misbehavior, or is corporal punishment just one thing that they use and they also use timeouts or grounding or being on punishment or something like that, and mm. otherwise things are fine. Yeah. But if, if you have corporal punishment along with, you know, hyper-controlling parents and verbal put-downs and abuse of other kinds, then, yes, I mean, you can say punishment is bad, but everything else about the parent-child relationship is bad, too. Yeah. Yeah. If parenting is an overall positive experience, and if spanking is used as the really last option, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, why would it be bad? (laughs) Well, I think it's like you were saying before, too, because, um, you know, if if spanking is the last option, but, you know, I I think most parents who are spanking or... ...people reacting out of anger or frustration um, and just, you know, exploding. And I think that's probably much more damaging um, and probably what, you know, when you hear in the studies that it leads to children having poor mental development weaker emotional ties with the parents, increased risk of the that themselves. Let's see if we're back now. Audience, can you hear us? Okay. I think we're back. Okay, okay good. We're back. Good. All right. <clears throat> so, uh... If I may, I know Doug got cut off, so I want him to restart that when he comes back. But I, I had a quick thing. I wondered if uh, – I noticed in the chat somebody had mentioned um, – where is that now? There seems to be a problem here in France with the ban of physical punishment from teachers because they don't have any authority on the children. And I think that's a really fascinating area. What, how do you get into corporal punishment when the child is not your child? Um, now, of course, in day-to-day society – that would be completely unacceptable. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, is it acceptable in certain contexts? I don't know. I think it's a really complex issue. Um, I'm yeah. generally, I'm generally against that because I feel like, you know, the parent should leave that or the, the teacher should leave that up to the parent. However, I was actually spanked in school. I went to a Christian school. Now it wasn't like a nunnery or anything, but I was spanked once with a ping pong battle because I was, oh. I was really, I was being a, a little asshole. Pardon my French, but 
I, I, that's another thing for me. I look back and I don't blame them for doing that, you know, cause mm-hmm. I kind of had it coming. So it's like, but that's again, completely different from a scenario where it's chronic severe, you know? Uh-huh. Well, I tend to be against that as well. I was spanked. If that's what you want to call it as a child, we call it getting a whooping. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, my mother had five kids, four boys and me. My brothers got it a lot more than I got it. I remember getting spanked. You know, she used some pretty, uh, people would say the tactics were pretty harsh. Uh, yeah. belts, uh, race car tracks, house shoes, Whoa. extension cords. <laughs> Uh, oh. A couple times we had to go outside and pick our own switch off the bush and take the leaves off of it and bring oh. it back in. And I can't even remember now, like, what you like, did. I mean, it, I wasn't that bad as a kid. My brothers did some wild things. And even, I mean, they would have to tell you, but I can't remember what they did either. But it was like some pretty outrageous stuff sometimes. And I'm sure that maybe at least 60% of the time we all deserved it. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, we look back on it now and none of us seem traumatized, but maybe we're all suffering from Stockholm syndrome or something. But, uh, other than getting the whoopings as a child, uh, my mother was pretty laid back. I mean, she didn't yell and scream and curse and do all that kind of stuff to us. And we look back Mm -hmm. on it now and laugh. So maybe we're okay. Maybe a lot of people who look back on now and laugh are okay in the grand scheme of things. But as far as other people hitting us, maybe it was like an aunt or two here or there that were really involved in, you know, everybody took care of each other's kids. But as far as teachers and things like that, I say absolutely not. When I was growing up in school, we had paddlings and stuff like that. I never got one. But someone who doesn't have like some kind of loving relationship or an emotional investment with the child, I think, really shouldn't be putting their hands on that child because that's just a special kind of relationship, whether you agree with corporal punishment or not. And if you're not having that kind of relationship with the child, then I think that you're crossing a line seriously. Yeah. In a school situation, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't work. And they're just now starting to figure that out. I should clarify that in the situation I spoke about in my school, it was really small, right? I went to a tiny school. We had five people in our graduating class. Mm-hmm. and I I knew everybody very well. I knew my principal very well. She was also an ex-nun, interestingly enough, but this was a Protestant school. So she had she had converted from Catholicism to whatever Protestant, you know, I think Baptist. Um, and uh, so, but maybe some of that was held over. Maybe it was like, okay, child is bad, now I spank, you know, and that was as simple as it was. I don't know, but I did, I did like her a lot and we were close. So it was like the fact that she hit me with a ping pong paddle was not, it didn't traumatize me. Yes. Had a stranger done it. Sure. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Tiff, your experience, I mean, to me, um, sorry, Doug, I was, it, it, to me, it sounds severe, like electrical Mm -hmm. cords, belts. That sounds, (laughs) you know, But, well, looking but back on that, I, I mean, it sounds you. severe to me as well. But yeah. that's the culture that we were in. I mean, a lot of the research says that black families use corporal punishment more than white families. And I tend sure. to believe that's true just from being black myself and all my relatives and all the friends that I hung around with, they were all black and they all got it too. 
Sure. Well, I don't want but to assume also your mom had you know five I mean? like, kids too. Yeah. yeah. You know? well, I mean, poor. and you had your mom was the only parent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my father never touched me because he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. I mean, see, that's a big factor, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Personally, do you? Th- I mean, Tiff, you know, here we are digging into your own life. If you're okay <laughs> with talking about it, but do you feel like yeah. it might have been different if if a father figure was in the picture? Uh it could have been. I mean, we had a stepfather for a while, and that was not a good situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never disciplined me, but he actually got into fights with my older brother, and that really wasn't discipline. He was just an awful person. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, if I had been spanked by my father, it probably would not have gone over well because we didn't have that kind of relationship. You know, yeah, who right. are you to discipline me? Yeah. No, that's interesting. Almost like you have to earn a, a right in, yes. the, in the child's mind to discipline the child. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, I hated my mother for about an hour or so after getting a whooping, but I got over it. <laughs> but sure. uh, if someone else had hit me, you know, no, no way. Yeah, I, I would have had the same I mean, reaction, too. Yeah, like, I knew it was for a purpose, whether or not, you know, I agreed with it in my childlike mind but uh she's my mother so i don't know yeah well despite how severe it sounds to me and like you said to you as well in in retrospect i mean i have to honor your experience too here you are saying you feel fine you know so Mm -hmm. what what does that mean Uh, you know yeah there uh, are some issues that i would bring up with my mother it wasn't because she gave me whoopings it would be other stuff yeah yeah Yeah, same here, you know. I Well, my father, um, I was raised without my father, and I would have had the same reaction. If he would have spanked me, I said, you don't have any right, you know, to spank me. That would, that would have been my reaction, you know. Mm-hmm. Same with anybody at school. How dare you, you know. I would have, you know, gone to my mother, <laughs> told them out, you know. <laughs> spank them. <laughs> well, that, this is probably, like, written about, and I'm just late to the game, but that's a really fascinating idea to me that there's this back and forth, that it's not just a domination by the parent, but there's a, uh, back, you know, a, a symbiotic relationship where the child, has to um, <clears throat> respect the fact that the parent has the, the the choice to discipline that child. It's like the child understands mm-hmm. because when somebody else tells you like, Hey, you, you should go home. You're like, you're not my dad, you know, don't tell me yeah. what to do. You know? <laughs> but then if your dad is like, get in the house right now, you're like, okay. You know, <clears throat> <clears throat> or if your mom so, wasn't the type to enforce the punishment, but you knew if she told your dad what you did, mm-hmm. that, that there'd be hell to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of it has to do, and I've seen this working with kids and being a parent myself, there's a big line between respecting your parents out of fear mm-hmm. because you're going to get whoopings mm-hmm. or respecting them because they treat you well and you don't want to disappoint them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I have known plenty of children that are extremely well behaved, but they had the fear of God of their parents and they did not misbehave because they knew they would get the belt or the shoe or a switch or whatever, any Mm -hmm. sort of blunt object. And I think uh, a lot of the misconception about corporal punishment is that, that that's it. You know, you get your spanking and then you just go about your day. Like if we got a whooping, that would be the jumping off point maybe 
not that that was always the first thing, but a lot of times it was. But it would often end with, you know, that's not it. You're going to be grounded or we called it being on punishment and certain privileges will be taken away. Like you come home from school, you go straight up to your room and you're on punishment for a week. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, you got beat and that was it. There were still other consequences involved and other lessons that you had to learn about what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. The whooping was like the like the appetizer. Yeah, that Bomber. was the shocker. <laughs> and then the real punishment came after. <laughs> came after. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about something, too. Uh, not, I'm going to stir up a hornet's nest here, but gender roles in corporal punishment. Do you want to go? delve into that ocean <laughs> um, the research says that boys boys get it more than girls i mean it could be because they're a bit more rambunctious than girls are i don't know but maybe maybe a statistically slightly more yeah girls are um, rambunctious <laughs> i wonder if it's more of a uh, a reticence on the part of the parents to discipline a a, a girl as opposed to a boy you know mm-hmm. Like I just, I think hypothetically, you know, um, you know, a boy is doing something bad. You smack him in the back of the head. I, I wouldn't do that to a girl off the top of my head. You know, there's that instant, like, oh, you don't do that, but you can, uh-huh. you can smack a, a boy. That's fine. You know? So it's like these programmatic things. And I, I, when I brought that up, that question, I was specifically thinking about fathers versus mothers, because I mm-hmm. see a lot of interesting, like you, you had mentioned, um, not having a father figure around. And I, I know a lot of, uh, single mothers who <clears throat> I would not call abusive. I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but who are very stern with their children uh, and their children know they're like, you don't mess with mom, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that results from an absence of like the traditional family unit. I, I struggle with that a little bit because I think that that traditional unit is, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, historically, statistically, I think it's beneficial to work that way, but it, um, I'm curious about, what kind of effects, like, I would be curious to see statistics on single fathers. Now, I know that there's a lot of dirtbag dads. I'm not saying that there's not. But I wonder if between specifically single mothers and single fathers, what the statistics are about corporal punishment. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't have any numbers on that. So I'm I'm really just kind of speaking out of curiosity here. Yeah, I've never seen any studies on single fathers either. I don't know. Maybe it has to do with boys' higher tolerance for rough housing or something. You can be a little bit rougher with them, and it's okay. Mm. But if you do the same thing with a girl, they turn into a puddle. Yeah. Well, I think it is, too, important to note. I didn't raise sons, so I don't know. But that whole respect factor of women and setting that baseline for modeling behavior. You Mm. know, if you have sons and they're you're a single mom and they're disrespecting you and you're allowing that well obviously they're going to grow up and think that that behavior is okay so i think there's a lot to do like kind of with family constellations they call it like if you have more than two kids you know you're going to have different temperaments with children and how you discipline them is going to be different i mean for me i was the oldest I was supposed to set the example. I always got the most beatings because I was always doing the wrong thing. But I wonder if my siblings saw me getting the punishment and went, well, well I'm, we're not going to do that. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I took one for sure. the team, so to speak. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I, as I got older, I just, oh, it's my fault. You know, I did it. I did it because I, cause I got used to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
But one of our chatters uh, is asking if there's a difference between physical punishment and verbal punishment, and is verbal punishment similar to physical, better or worse? I personally think that verbal punishment can be just as damaging. I think mm. it can be worse. So and too. again, it, get, yeah. it depends. Yeah. Like if you're uh, insulting, belittling, and you know haranguing your child verbally, I mean, that's far worse than getting a smack on the butt. Yeah, that yeah. goes deep. You're, yeah. you're insulting them as a person, like who right. they are. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. I think it's worse depending on the situation. Depending mm-hmm. on the situation. If somebody gets a, a child that's beaten until they're black and blue, that is going to be psychologically damaging no matter which way you put it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, however, like, uh, like Tiffany, your story, you know, you said you feel fine, but your mother was also very loving. Um, and so you had that experience. Now, if you can imagine, you know, never having gotten whooped, but being ripped on all the time. Yeah. You know, that in my mind seems worse. Mm-hmm. Mm. Psychologically. Yeah. Because then you get I guilt complexes so, yeah. and self-worth and all these things that carry through your whole life, you know. Yeah. And of course, yes, that comes from physical beatings, too. But if we're distinguishing between the two. I think another thing that has to be taken into account is the individual child. I mean, some children, you just look at them sideways and they straighten up right away. And other kids Mm. kind of really do have to go upside their head in order for them to get the point of what you're trying to teach them. Mm. So it has to be done on a case by case basis. And I don't think in any way should a child be getting a, a spanking like every week or, you know, I knew kids who got spanked pretty much every day mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that's a yeah <laughs> there's something happening there yeah and that just there's a, at that point. yeah there's a question also in the chat uh would the team have recommendations when out in the gp and one confronts a case of possible overactive discipline by a parent on a child oh man oh that's a hard <laughs> one i yeah i would i would stay out of it unless it's like life-threatening mm-hmm I don't know. I guess off the top of my head, life threatening. Yeah. Because then you're looking at, you're looking at one person who's like trying to kill another person, you know, and that kind of boils down to that. But I think anything like beyond that, I don't know, man, you're going to get like, you could get shot. I don't know. You mess with somebody's kid. They, they have a concealed carry. They pull out a gun or, you know, not that extreme, but you get sued, you know, mm-hmm. um, or you run into a psycho, you end up getting stalked. You know, I mean, there's whole, you just don't know what other people's lives are like and what's going on there. I saw a documentary recently on racial issues, actually. And there was this family in the UK and they were black at the city. And there was something very rough going on there, but everybody, nobody said anything because they thought, well, they're, that's uh, their culture, their tradition, you know, and, well, the little girl ended up, you know, dead. She was killed, basically. And, wow. you know, and the case was retrospectively evaluated. What, like, why didn't anybody said anything, you know? And <clears throat> yes, the, those were the kind of excuses they were saying, like, oh, we didn't want to interfere, you know, and it was part of a tradition and so forth. And then, you know, the argument was that if it's known that in African uh, families, there's more violence, more aggressiveness, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because there's all these 
racial issue, you know, of, of black people dying, but black people dying mostly by their hand, by the hands of other black people, not by white Americans, you know, or white mm-hmm. people, you know. It's like these stereotypes that are not touchable, but in the end, see what happened. The girl died, you know. Somebody could have said something, you know. Mm. So, yeah, that's a hard one. It really yeah. is difficult to kind of generalize on this, I think. It's like, it's, it, really it really is, is kind of a case by yeah. case kind of basis. Like, if it's to me, I think if, if it looked like the child was in danger, mm-hmm. like actually in danger, then yes, I would probably do something. But, but yeah, it's, it, it's a really tough call. Yeah, and if I, I saw it, like, it's hard to even but, say culturally. I mean, part of a culture may be that, yes, uh, maybe <coughs> people of African descent use more discipline or corporal punishment than other cultures. But you have to keep in mind that even if the neighborhood or the culture as a whole knows this as a fact, a lot of this corporal punishment takes place behind closed doors. So even if you suspect mm-hmm. that there's corporal punishment going on, if you don't actually see the severity of it, there's no way really that you would think to even say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm suspicious about the statistics on it. Yeah. I'm really suspicious about the statistics on the families of African-American descent, because I think of like, you know, if you want to talk about anthropological sources of like mm-hmm. the population of the U S uh, the Irish families, you mm-hmm. know, Italian families, like, even Japanese families, Chinese families, there's a lot of really severe abuse that goes on, like hardcore, mm-hmm. that I think is never, never covered. And, uh, and we have in our head this, this stereotype of like the African, African American mother is like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give a whooping to my kids kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and that becomes a stereotype. So it becomes more, uh, on the radar, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true also. A lot of my white friends got it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that that thing about seeing other other people do it. You know, it's it's hard. Like if I was in the grocery store and I saw a, a mother or a father being like, "Damn it, you little punk! Yeah, come here!" and smacking the back of the head, that kind of thing. I am not. I'm not going anywhere near that. Even if mm-hmm. a parent is like yelling at their child or they're like shaking them or something, not my problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I guess hypothetically, maybe if I see somebody like choking a child. And it was like, oh shit, this is happening. Then it, you, you'd be like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Uh-huh. You know, something yeah. like that. But it, it's, I think Doug is right. It's totally case by case. Yeah. Case by it case. Is. I just, I just brought it up because I thought it was interesting. Uh, since um, this documentary was made by the BBC, I forgot its name, but they were analyzing. It was uh, um, somebody who was a minister. Who was a great advocate for um, minority minority groups, and uh, and that was a good thing. They thought they were doing, you know, having good results. But then another trend started appearing, you know, where, for example, um, well, there was this case of the little girl who died, you know, mm-hmm. but also another case where there was sex uh, slavery going on, and they were targeting, you know, uh, well, a typical white teenage girl, you know, and it was done by a Pakistani group, you know, Pakistani handsome guy, you know, were uh, luring the girls and then they will be, you know, trapped by, so uh, so to speak. And this was happening for years and years. Nobody said anything because they said, oh, we should not speak up, you know, against minority groups or, you know. That would be racist. uh, 
yeah. that will be racist exactly mm-hmm. so it, it went like a black and white thing it is it is always like an issue of a black and white thing you know we cannot just see things as they are if it's wrong behavior you know mm-hmm. uh we should call it by that without regarding you know um stereotypes or you know um generalities you know just see what it is you know the, regardless of the race or the, you mm-hmm. know the, Yeah, there's a lot of that going on right now. I think that hypocrisy, which I think is relevant to our discussion because it makes it harder to talk about, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're talking about like, quote unquote, progressive issues or anything like that. I'm reminded of uh, <clears throat> a couple of days ago, the article went around <clears throat> Justin Trudeau, you know, the uh, 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 granted, <clears throat> I guess I like him because he's likable. I don't know. I don't really know. But I do know that he's like a, a bastion of progressive liberal values and he just sold billions of dollars of weapons to Saudi Arabia. So what gives, mm-hmm. you know, we don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't talk about the fact that not only are women beaten in Saudi Arabia, they're, they're killed with no consequences. You can kill your wife and nobody's going to say a thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's the, on the, the very far end of the, the spectrum, but we, you know, we like to preach, I say we, the Royal, we likes to preach, uh, tolerant liberal values and yet, uh, tacitly support cultures, which are, I personally disagree with. I mean, I think there's a line, you know, it goes from one way, like, okay, culture in South America kills and eats monkeys. That's weird to me because monkeys have a face, but I'm not going to say anything to them because that's their tradition. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but at the same time, um, I mean, cause they have a human face is what I mean. It's weird. But, uh, <laughs> at the same time, I'm not going to say, well, like, well, in Saudi Arabia, you can kill your wife and that's okay. Cause that's their culture. You know, there's a line. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, what yeah. I find interesting about it all too is like with this falling out of favor of spanking or corporal punishment, children are nightmares these days too, <laughs> you know, and I'm saying that coming yeah. from working with them in the school. So when I was a kid and I'm a white person and was raised in a liberal state where no paddling ever happened in the state that I was raised in, you just did not speak to adults disrespectfully. It was kind of common knowledge that you just did not disrespect adults. And I don't know if that came out of fear of being spanked or or punished, but I've seen over the last 10, 15, 20 years, this kids are just so disrespectful to adults. Mm. And mm. in the school setting, you know, I mean, Teachers, there, there is no recourse, you know what I mean? And, and I don't think a teacher should be able to hit a child at all. But where is the balance there? Like how, how you know, so we don't spank anymore, but now we have these restless youth that are completely uncontrollable. Well, I think mm-hmm. that past a certain age, if you don't discipline yourself, your children, whether you use corporal punishment or other means, once they reach a certain age and they don't learn those important life lessons about how to behave properly with other people, then it might just be too late. Yeah. And maybe that's where we've gotten yeah. at this point. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I had the same thought in regards to culture as a whole. Um, you know, it's uh, we've, we've found ourselves in a place where, where children's brains are so uh, assaulted um, that we are entering a, a a phase, I think, in which we can't predict how children are going to behave as they grow up. And we have all these mm-hmm. crazy, like, disorders and things that you have to deal with. Um, and I, I think they're behavioral problems, personally, that result from 
uh, insert variables, you know, um, environmental pollution, uh, media, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, the ethos mm-hmm. of the country as it's changed and values and all these kind of things come together to produce recalcitrant, uh, kids. And mm-hmm. all of the parents have found themselves swept along into this place and are like, what do we do? You know, like now we're told like you can't even touch your kid, but they're being a total shithead. Uh, you know, yeah. what do I do? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and I feel like that's probably just going to keep getting worse as this like uh, sensitive culture continues to gain uh, steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the whole parent-child relationship is going to continue to get worse. Um, well, and- it's almost like Lynn chatted here too about how you know teachers can't discipline, but now they just call in the cops. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we've talked about it previously on the shows with the school resource officers. So in the U.S., you know, you can't spank your kids, but police officers can come into the school system and use tasers and pepper spray and batons and chokeholds and all kinds of crazy, you know, abusive tactics. And there's no monitoring. There's no tracking of any of that. There's no lawsuits against schools. It's just kind of accepted in a very sick and distorted sort of a way. And then, you know, it just it continues on with this prison to or school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. And so again, everything is just so out of balance. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. call yeah, I that feel like- discipline at all. I would call that kind of retaliation mm-hmm. and enforcement by the state. And I think that's an entirely different thing, but there are still 19 States in the U S that allow paddling or corporal punishment in schools and not by uh, the officers, but by, you know, teachers or, principals and assistant principals so they can still hand out swats or kids can still get paddled in public schools and of course you know uh, black kids get more paddles than white kids and surprisingly because you see them as more fragile but disabled kids get a lot more physical discipline in school too that sounds barbaric to me i didn't knew this I didn't knew it only until today for this show, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. it is banned in most countries. So I, when I read stories about, you know, school teachers spanking teenagers, male to female, that's just wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a couple of cases like some teenage girls got spanked by a male assistant principal mm-hmm. and yeah. they totally redid their corporal punishment rules. But it wasn't because the girls got paddled. It's because uh, they had a bruise or something because the male teacher spanked too hard. So now mm. instead of stopping spanking entirely in schools, they have to have a teacher of the same sex as a child in there to witness it. <laughs> it's like okay. I, think, I think there was even a rule that said it had to be the same sex person yeah. that did the paddling. And uh-huh. then they, they, the, the assistant principal or whatever was just doing it, like ignoring that rule. So they changed the rule. <laughs> God forbid you actually take away his uh, given right of spanking anybody he wants to spank. That is just yeah, disgusting that, to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that before yeah. a certain age, you should not use spanking. And after a certain age, like once a child learns bodily autonomy or they get to the point where, you know, they're not comfortable walking around in their underwear or something in front of their parents, that's when all that should stop. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, this after case, a certain girls. age, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't beat respect into a child. Either they have it or they don't. And 
there's other ways after a child reaches a certain age to discipline them without having to hit them. Because by then, they should be able to, you know, have the brain power to be able to listen when you're talking to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, as they grow, right, depending on the personality of the child, they become more potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking of specifically boys, you know, mm-hmm. as they gain strength, but girls too. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I, but I, in that example, I'm thinking specifically of like a child who might end up being like a sociopath or a psychopath, you know, there's those kind then of kids. There's nothing like, you can do in that case. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. If you're still, you know, giving your child a spanking and they're <clears throat> well into their teens. I mean, there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's either a case of an out of control teen and a parent who just doesn't know what to do and that's all they can think of, or the parent something is wrong with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's an abusive situation. Yeah, I can't see like when, if I was 16 years old and I got a spanking for something, I can't see that doing anything more than just pissing me off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. But again, I mean, it's hard to come to a uh, conclusion about this. Like Doug, you had mentioned, there's no, you know, there, there's no broad brush that you can use uh, to paint mm-hmm. this with. I think it's case it's, by case. It's totally case by case. I mean, case it's by even case down, and rare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I think even down to the details does of like, have a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and intent like it, too. You know, one I was thinking one parent spanks their, two two parents spank their child. One of them is harder than the other one. But the one who spanked harder, uh, you know, like uh, had like a good relationship with the child. And when they were done, they were like, OK, well, you understand you were in trouble. The other one didn't spank quite as hard, but they are, you know, mean and they're like verbally abusive. And that situation to me is worse. So it's so granular is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Or emotionally neglectful. Off, yeah. Yeah, you can do more yeah. damage by being emotionally neglectful, not never touching your child physically, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think that's true. Doug, I cut you off. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead, please. No, I mean, I was just going to kind of say the same sort of thing and just sort of reiterate the point that um, I, I think that uh, I, I think it really does come back to the emotional component of it and whether a parent is just losing it and hitting their kid because they don't know what else to do or if they actually are trying to teach a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you say, you know, once it passed a certain age, that's not going to be effective anymore. So I, I have, you know, I personally think that, you know, if uh, a teenager misbehaves and the parent is spanking, or God, you know, a teacher or a principal or something is, there's, there's more going on there. It's more like a vengeful thing than it is actually mm-hmm. like I'm going to teach this this person a lesson. Because and I think I think more than the pain at that point, it would probably be more humili- humiliation than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the when the school does it, it's just author um, authoritarian, you know, authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wasn't one of the articles that we read uh, beating babies for Jesus? And there's this evangelical pastor and his wife. They wrote a book uh, called How to Train Up a Child. And I guess a lot of. Pearl. Yeah, a lot of their followers are reading that book. And in some cases where there was abuse that went too far and the child died, they found that book in the parents' homes. I think, again, this is clearly a case of child abuse, and the people who wrote that book were clearly sadists. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, Dobson was an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, he wrote, right the dare, wrote the Dare up. to Discipline one. Dobson yes. did. Oh, right. And, and that wasn't the first one. I'm sorry. Yeah, Michael Pearl was the one that wrote the... How yeah. to train up a child. How to train up a child. Yeah, but they're in the same like, camp. Like Dob- yeah, mm-hmm. Dobson follows those those uh, strictures, you know. And like, um, I, I grew up in the like the Baptist Christian world, pretty hardcore, so I was familiar with that. And he Dobson ran an organization called Focus on the Family, and that was a, uh, if I may be so bold, basically a, a front for, um, you know. Uh, how do you say this? Like hiding in traditional values, but to the point where you don't question anything that they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you can see a Christian family and be like, oh, they're good. You know, they go to church, they dress up nice, <clears throat> they present themselves well to the public. Uh, any kind of like weird stuff that's going on in the secret family dynamic, I don't need to know about. You know, like it doesn't matter. As long as they look good, they look Christian, that's good. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ignoring problems under the surface and they they do promote that severe corporal punishment, um, mm-hmm. almost to a biblical degree. And yeah, it's disturbing. Uh, I think it's more disturbing because it's couched in button up shirts and ties and, and dresses for Sunday. Yeah. But when you yeah. take all the fancy dressing off, you just get a bunch of psychopaths who like beating kids basically is yeah. what yeah. it is. Like anybody yeah. who would follow the dictates in that book, it's not like they were complete angels and they got swayed by the words in this book. I think that they were probably into that kind of thing anyway. And reading the book just gave them a reinforcement of what they wanted to do in the first place. Mm. And some of those kids that were beaten and killed were adopted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's a pretty sick thing. Pretty sick situation. I think that, uh, I, I think you're probably right the you know sickos out there who will just use a book like that as a justification but i also think it's like you know some people are quite easily swayed by things like that so if they read a book and you know they're they're kind of a an authoritarian follower type um and they just like well the way you know and and apparently the guy really emphasizes in the book that you are doing god's work by beating your kids like this is something that god wants you to do it's the right thing to do so I can yeah. see people being swayed by that, you know, and really kind of feeling like, well, you know, I don't really like violence, but I have to do God's work by beating the crap out of my kids. Yeah. Yeah. In a book he wrote called The Strong-Willed Child, they talk, he talks about the parallel between beating children and beating dogs. I mean, that's the mindset. Right. You know, and about basically um, breaking the will and he's talking about yeah. one and two year old children. Mm. So like a dog, you got to, you know, break its will and then they'll yeah. behave. And so it's back to that whole thing, like creating fear. Yeah. Right. I mean, what kind of kid is that going to raise? Like when, once that kid becomes an adult, if they've been broken as a child, like <laughs> that's not going to be a functionally. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's just terrible. They're, just they're basically... pastors and they're pastors and deacons and, and Sunday school teachers. They turn out to be good Christian folk. Hmm. <laughs> They're just very sick. They do the sick same. People. Yeah. That's just trans marginal inhibition, you know, break a dog, <clears> the <throat> strongest exactly. dog, you know. Yeah. And psychopaths yeah, do like that. that a lot. Torture animals, you know. Yeah. Mm. I think you're right, Doug, that a lot of people get swept up in that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it manifests itself in a bunch of different ways too. It's like, I've seen many, many times in, in Christian families where there's like, they have a friend or a relative who's gay, 
you know, and to them, they're like, oh, you know, I like this person as a person, but I can't reconcile it because they're, they're gay. It's like the most severe blasphemy in the scripture, you know, so how do I respect this person or speak with them? That comes up and they sincerely think about it. Like, should I talk to this person because they're, they're, they're blasphemers. They sincerely like sit and think about what they should do in those cases. And that's a moral quandary. It's not like they're psychos mm -hmm. and they're judging people super, you know, uh, uh, to be malicious. They're, mm -hmm they're tied into their belief system. And I think the same thing happens to a lot of people with corporal punishment. They just, mm -hmm. you just go yeah. by the Bible. That's it. You know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it says. Yeah. So, better to break them instead. Yeah. The blind follower thing really is extremely common. And I think people come up against that because you get some cognitive distance when you think about it. You're like, well, no, you know, people wouldn't like just blindly say, well, okay, you know, I, I should beat my kid. Okay. I'll do that. It's hard to reconcile that people would think that way, but they do. A lot of them do. Yeah, yeah and I suppose if that really wasn't uh, congruent with the way that they really think, they would have gotten out of the church anyway, and it wouldn't even be yeah. an issue. So the people who stayed, they're authoritarian they like follower types, or they don't have any even kernel of a soul that can possibly grow. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, and, you know, tied into with the uh, the Protestant, like, traditional Christian values kind of thing is the uh, the Catholic Church and their relationship hmm. with children, which everybody knows about. And I don't think we need to do a whole show on that right now, but, you know, that's huge. It's huge. Yeah, uh, it's been gone it for, for many, many years. Uh, entire communities covered it up. Uh, whole yeah. dioceses covered it up. People were, you know, shipped off to Timbuktu. Uh, people have died over this. I mean, it's, you know, people had their lives ruined um, and it's mm -hmm. never been talked about. I would encourage anybody who has uh, the time or the inclination on Netflix, there's a show called the keepers, uh, mm -hmm. which is about a, a nun in a diocese who was trying to expose child abuse that was going on. And she was murdered for doing that. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's, that's a huge dark world i don't know if the uh you know if the cases of abuse in that in that kind of context are as prevalent in the protestant church um but i i don't know if you need to start like you know uh nitpicking those details you know it's like at, at, mm -hmm. one, at a certain point we can recognize that religious institutions foster large dark secrets that nobody likes to talk about yeah mm -hmm. well according you know, to that it, beatings for Jesus article, babies, beatings, babies for Jesus. It, it is, you know, they're running organizations for at-risk youth. And, you know, I mean, it's yeah. the definition yeah. of corporal punishment and serious abuse and neglect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at that, that story. Um, and I can't remember his name now, the guy who ran the credit union in the, uh, in the boys camp and he ran like a uh, Larry like King, a, like a, Larry King, yeah, and then was shuttling the boys off for sex trafficking. And that was like a Christian mm -hmm. camp, wasn't it, at the time? I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly. No, I don't he was a religious know. figure, though. Hmm. But, yeah, that wasn't Catholic, that being my point. That was Protestant <laughs> church. So it's like it happens all over the place, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, even just like, you know, the Catholic church is, is kind of notorious for using corporal punishment, especially in, like, Catholic schools. Um, oh, yeah. My dad used to tell me stories. He went to a Catholic school when uh, when he was a kid, and he has all kinds of stories about getting like you know rulers across the knuckles and paddlings mm -hmm. and all this other kind of stuff. Now, mind you, I think he was quite a shit disturber, 
But um, it, I mean, he he told me one story actually. Well, actually, I won't go into it. It's too long a story. But uh, you know, a, a lot of the times it wasn't even justified. Let's just say that. And he was he was getting beaten constantly. So it's pretty pretty notorious. And I don't know whether that's still the case. I mean, I know in Canada, I don't uh, corporal punishment in schools is not allowed anymore. But um, well, there is a significant number of states that still allow it. So. Hmm. Well, they produced the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And then we have the parallel today <laughs> in the United States where, you know, psychologists also support the torture, you know, torturing prisoners. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the American Psychological Association did. Yeah. That says a lot Jeez. right there. Yeah, I wonder if those same well, psychologists would be against corporal punishment for children. <laughs> Yeah, good question. Mm. Do as we yeah. say, not as we do. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I feel like we're, should we crawl our way out of this rabbit hole? <laughs> <laughs> down and down and down it goes. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to spank your kids, be reasonable. Count to five. Don't first. make them go outside and pick their own switch. Yeah. Use it rarely. Pipe breathe. <laughs> Use it depending on the child's temperament. Make sure that you're not out of control when it's going on. And know yeah. that the purpose is to deliver an emotional shock to make them better remember whatever lesson it is that you're trying to get them to learn. Yeah. To make them better people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. I think that that is really what it comes down to. And, and it should be very rare too. I think mm-hmm. frequency does does tie into it and if you find yourself every week with a kid across your lap and a paddle in your hand, maybe you should question your methods. Yeah. 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 And observe their temperament. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Some children get off on it. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. That's uh, We're going to go further down the rabbit hole now? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <we're> at- <laughs> <laughs> but some kids, it doesn't seem to make any difference whether you beat them or you put them in time out or you ground them or whatever. They're just yeah. badasses. They're, they're like well, in those people. situations, I think that you really need to, you know, start doing more of maybe a psychological evaluation or something like that. Because they did mention in one of the articles that um, – Kids have brains that develop at different rates Mm -hmm. and that, you know, part of the problem might be that it's not just, it's not that the kid wants to misbehave. It's more like they just don't understand and they're not able to control certain impulses or something like that. So I think in a situation where, you know, no punishment really seems to be working, then maybe, you know, it's time to reevaluate the situation Mm -hmm. or maybe the kid's a psychopath. I don't know. But yeah. um, I think it's uh, I, I think in in that kind of situation, you know, spanking yeah. to me, any kind of corporal punishment should be kind of a last resort. Like you've tried reasoning yeah. with them, tried doing, you know, any kind of escalate until you get to the point where yes, is obviously I need to you know send a pain signal to be able to get through. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, that was, <laughs> well, I want to add to what Doug said because there's actually a really good article on SOT, and I'll put it in the chat. But it, it's called What If Everything You Knew About Disciplining Kids Was Wrong? And it was written back mm. in 2015. And they're talking about schools, t- 
teachers and, you know, this whole idea of corporal punishment and especially like has been mentioned with the abuse of mentally ill children or children with learning disabilities. And it's it's got some good information in there and people that have been doing studies and, you know, abandoning this whole B.F. Skinner's philosophy, mm-hmm. you know, about uh consequences and bad behavior be needing to be punished. So I'm going to put it in the chat because I found it it was helpful as far as if you're working with children that are not your own to how to kind of defuse a situation. And, yeah, and to kind of give them to tool, the tools to control their own impulses mm-hmm. and their own emotional outbreaks exactly. so they don't have to depend on somebody else to always deliver that shock to them. Mm-hmm. They'll, That's a good one. They'll know how to recognize it and to, you know, do what they need to do in order to calm down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that's a lifelong coping strategy. I mm-hmm. mean, we've all seen adults lose it in situations. And, you know, and again, if they're, they have kids and they're passing that on, it's just going to repeat that cycle of trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like if your parent is always on you, you're never away from their watchful gaze and you never have a chance to work things out on your own or work it out between you and your peers or you and your siblings. I mean, that's something that you have to learn and no amount of spankings is going to turn you into a decent person because you never learn how to control yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's tools for emotional regulation that are severely lacking nowadays, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, so beat your kids, everybody. Have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, I kid. I should, I do. Uh, Okay, well, let's. uh, Zoya has prepared a uh, pet health segment for us today uh, that we're looking forward to. So let us go to that, and when we come back, we'll we'll uh, wrap it up. Hello and welcome to the Pet Health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. Today I would like to talk about the, the topic of discipline or proper training of dogs. We all know how hard it can be sometimes to train your dog to behave in a certain way. Some owners don't even bother to train their dogs and they uh, either become very spoiled and totally uncontrollable or they end up on the street. And the older the dog becomes, the harder it can be to train it. Not impossible, just harder. But with a lot of love and proper attention, you can teach even an old dog some new tricks. So in this specific segment, I would like you to listen to the recording by Dr. Karen Becker, where she talks about a house training of puppies and also provides basic ground rules for house training of any dog. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and a significant percentage of dogs wind up in animal shelters due to house training problems. And actually about a quarter of behavior-related visits to the veterinarians also involve house training issues. In my experience, one of the main reasons house training fails because dog parents actually have a tendency to look at their canine companions as four-legged humans and view accidents on the floor the same way that they would view a person who has just relieved themselves on the floor, which actually there's no correlation, but we tend to do that. We humanize our pets. While your dog is a member of your family, of course, he is not a person. And if you mishandle potty mistakes in the house, you'll actually, most of the time, create the opposite effect of what you're going after, which which means you make the situation worse. Elimination 
is of course a very natural part of your dog or cat's function and new puppies actually in particular can be expected to relieve themselves whenever and wherever they want to because that's just what happens. This actually is a natural biologic function of them just peeing and pooing wherever they want until they are old enough to control that urge physiologically which means they have control of their external urethral sphincter and number two when they're appropriately motivated to pee and poo outside. So both of those factors have to be in place before puppies are capable of becoming housebroken. Now the good news is, it's very possible, and actually many, many people do it, successful positive pet parents, you absolutely can train your puppy or adult dog to become housebroken at any age. So teaching good potty habits to a puppy is much easier than training or retraining an adult dog, but either is possible and either can absolutely be accomplished. So if you adopt an adult dog who has not been housebroken, don't fear, you're 100% capable of completing the task. There are three things that will ensure a successful housebreaking experience for your dog, and I can't stress the importance enough of positivity, consistency, and patience. All three are really important. The age at which most puppies can begin to learn their appropriate potty etiquette is about eight and a half weeks. Younger puppies actually don't have the neurological development necessary to control elimination, much like human infants. And actually, puppies under about eight weeks of age simply don't have, their bladder simply can't hold their urine in. It just naturally will come out. So if you have a really young puppy, um, that's not going to be a possibility. But by eight and a half weeks, potty breaking or, or house training is absolutely accomplishable. So it is important that you try and have an outdoor grassy surface. That's the best approach and that you consistently take your puppy to that spot for elimination. Your puppy's brain is developed enough at that age to begin to associate the smell and surface of his potty training spot and the act of elimination. They can correlate the two. Not only can most puppies at eight and a half weeks start to make the mental connections, but they're actually quite capable of recognizing that they feel better when they relieve themselves there. House training your puppy is a twofold process. First, she must learn to go to the designated spot, and then she must learn to hold her urine and feces until she's in that spot. A young puppy needs to be taken to her potty spot about every hour and after eating, playing, and sleeping. So you have to be able to Watch your puppy's behavior and know that it's time for them to relieve themselves. The older she gets, the less often she'll need to go to her potty spot. But no dog should be expected to last 8 or 10 hours without a potty break, especially not a puppy. In my experience, there are four basic ground rules for house training any dog. House training ground rule number one, never leave your unhousebroken dog unattended, not even for a minute. If you aren't actively engaged with your dog, having her in the same room as you doesn't count if you're not focused on her. It's very important to not give her the opportunity to fail at housebreaking. If you can engage with your dog, which of course isn't possible every minute of every day, then she should be in her crate. And yes, I said crate. Some pet parents believe that crates are really bad or negative, but honestly, nothing could be further from the truth. A crate is actually a very natural, normal habitat for a dog, as long as your puppy, puppy doesn't associate it with a punishment. So you never put your dog in the crate when they've been bad. Dogs are den dwellers by nature, and under normal circumstances, they will enjoy and actually seek out a small, safe, warm bedroom in which to rest. 
if you if you can provide your pup with his own little den in the form of a crate, then there's really nothing to fear. And actually, as long as you're not using forceful or any type of punishment associated with his den or nest, he'll actually fall in love with it. My dogs, uh, the the crate doors are always open, and my dogs love taking their naps in their crate, which is exactly uh, the experience that I intended to create for them. A dog crate has a lot of uses for both you and your pet, with housebreaking, of course, at the top of the list. Nature has arranged it that small enclosed areas will help your puppy learn conscious control of his urge to eliminate. In the wild, mother wolves teach their litters to potty outside the den. And if you provide your puppy with his own den, you're working in harmony with his natural desire to not soil it. Other uses for crates include keeping your pet safe from a long list of dangers and potential disasters. Everything from electrical cords to cat food bowls to potentially if you've got visitors or company over, those are all great times for the puppy to naturally go into his den and have a little time out. If you're absolutely dead set against crate training your unhousebroken dog, then the only other option you have is to tether your dog to you so that no matter where you go, your dog is right there beside you. The way to do this is to put a clip on the leash and then you put the leash uh, uh, around your waist or you clip your dog, you tether your dog to your belt buckle at all times. Obviously, this arrangement wouldn't be practical for, mo- for many of you, which is why, of course, I recommend that you consider using the crate. House training rule number two is to feed your dog on a schedule. I never recommend that you just leave a bowl of food out for your dog or your puppy because as your dog eats and nibbles, you're not able to time exactly when feces are are going to happen. If you're feeding your dog or puppy on a once, twice, or three times a day schedule, depending on your puppy's or adult dog's age, then you're able to know that within 30 minutes to an hour later, they're going to have a bowel movement and you can plan for that. The easiest routine for most people is to feed their dog twice a day. The only time I don't recommend twice a day feeding for puppies is if your puppy is under three pounds of body weight. So you're going to feed your dogs in the morning and then again at night. For most dogs, about an hour after breakfast and an hour after dinner, they're going to need to go outside and go poo. So it's important that someone in the house is watching and waiting and ready for that to happen. Feeding your dog on a schedule makes potty breaks much more predictable and actually allows you to exercise more control over the situation. And the more opportunities you give your pup to succeed in relieving himself outside, the faster housebreaking will occur. House training ground rule number three is reward your dog for good behavior. In order to successfully potty train your dog, it's crucial that you reward her for good behavior and that you praise her in a way that she understands. And its timing is also really important in there. She will absolutely pick up cues from the tone of your voice. So if you're saying things like, good girl, that's what I'm looking for, nice job, and a quiet, loving, calming tone, immediately after she performs the good deed, you're reinforcing that behavior. Almost all dogs speak the language of love, which for them is food. So offering a treat uh, within one to three seconds after peeing or pooing in the appropriate spot has happened is another great way to reinforce this behavior. After a short time of offering small morsels of food, immediately after your dog has gone potty in the appropriate spot, uh, it won't take dogs very long to recognize that that is what you're looking for and there's a super great reward at the end of that. So you'll see puppies actually get really excited that they did a good job. And that's when you can begin backing off of the number of awards that you're giving them. So sometimes you will offer a treat and sometimes you'll just offer verbal praise. Good job and a pet and you can celebrate that. And it's interesting. Usually you only have to use food rewards for a very short period of time before puppies and adult dogs respond to praise alone after a successful urination or defecation in the appropriate spot. 
Once your dog is fully house trained, you can completely eliminate the need for food or treats if you wish and just offer verbal commands of being happy and celebrating her good deed outside. House training ground rule number four is don't punish your dog for making mistakes. For many people, this can be the most difficult rule to follow, but I can't stress how important this point is. Of course, it's frustrating when your four-legged family member just doesn't seem to cooperate or looks like maybe they're intentionally making a bad decision. But in order to successfully house train your pup, you have to avoid punishing any type of mistake. And mistakes are going to happen. So no shouting. No, absolutely no physical contact. So never, you know, rub your dog's nose in it or make any type of scary sound uh, if your dog or, or puppy makes a mistake. Oftentimes in the morning, with smaller dogs or puppies, you'll find that they'll go outside and pee, but as their bladder is developing, they don't realize that there's still urine left in their bladder. So 10 minutes after they've gone potty outside, they come back in and pee again. Wildly frustrating. If that's happening to you, then be smarter than your puppy and take him or her out in the morning, and then five minutes later, take her back out again to relieve the remaining part of the urine in her bladder so that she has a successful morning housebreaking session. It's really important to take into your account your attitude towards your puppy when it comes to failures. Um, so first of all, don't give your, your dog or puppy a chance to fail, but when they do, recognize that your response to that failure is really important. If you're yelling or using a harsh tone or if you are at all responding negatively, you're actually teaching your puppy to fear you and fear this response. And so what will happen is your puppy will go into another room to potty versus um, just developing that trust relationship with you that eventually will lead to him or her letting you know that they have to go outside. Dogs obviously know when you're upset at them, but they also don't know exactly why, which actually leads to a lot of feelings of confusion and also fear in dogs. From your dog's point of view, you're the center of her universe. So it's really important that as a loving pack leader, you are role modeling trust as the foundational emotion in your, in your relationship. Even if you catch your pup in the actual act of relieving himself indoors, make sure you're not responding in fear or force. What will happen in that situation is your puppy will connect his elimination with your <coughs> anger, and then he just becomes more sneaky about elimination. He'll just go behind the couch, or he'll wait until you've turned your head before he does it. So it's important that every situation pertaining to housebreaking is very positive. The most important thing to remember is by the time your dog is relieving himself on the floor, you've actually missed that opportunity to make a successful experience. So your timing of making sure you're doing your part in coordinating outdoor uh, potty breaks is the most important aspect of housebreaking. When it's time for your dog's morning break, grab some treats, put her on the leash, and bring her to your specific outdoor potty spot. Give her about five minutes to do her business. During that time, she's on the leash. It's interesting. You'll see her just look at you, and you'll look at her. And sh initially, she'll wonder, why are we out here? What's going on? But eventually, because she has to pee or poo, she will actually go potty, and when she begins to urinate or defecate, that's when you begin verbal praise. So you basically ignore her until she starts urinating or defecating, and then you let her know that's a good girl. That's what we're looking for. I recommend that you use a verbal cue that she can begin correlating to the active urination and defecation, which is also going to help her recognize that that's the act that you're looking for. Don't make the mistake that if your puppy doesn't relieve herself the minute that you bring her outside that she doesn't have to go. That's very important. You know biologically that if your puppy's been in the crate for seven hours all night, she probably has made some urine and probably feces as well. So if she's playing or squirrely or is absolutely not interested in pottying outside, then bring her back in, put her back in the crate, and try again five or ten minutes later. So ideally, you'll be able to take your puppy to the potty spot. 
use the cue, go pee or go poo or go potty, whatever your cue word is, and then, of course, use rewards initially. But the goal is after your verbal cue, your puppy will perform the blessed, beautiful act of being housebroken, and then you celebrate together. If you have a fenced yard and it's, you know that your backyard environment's safe, a lot of pet owners are just interested in letting their puppy out to do her thing outside. I don't recommend that initially for two reasons. One, it's important that you monitor your puppy's urine and feces, and it's important that you're watching to make sure that the puppy's not having diarrhea. You want to make sure that they're not getting into things like bark, rocks, sticks uh, when they're really, really young. But also, that doesn't give you the opportunity to cue or mark that potty behavior, and that can be really valuable later on. When you're interested in communicating to your dog, I need you to go potty right now, that's something you want to set up early on. So if you can... Spend the first couple of months with your puppy on a leash, even if you have a fenced-in backyard, that's going to give you the boundaries and the verbal cues that your puppy needs to be able to communicate later on in life that you're interested in having them go pee or poo right now, um, even if they're off leash. Certain dogs and certain breeds seem to understand from a very young age to do their business outside, and actually some breeds just don't. I absolutely have seen some breeds just take longer to housebreak, and I have had some people say to me, I've heard that certain breeds can't be housebroken. It's not true. It, it just takes certain breeds and sometimes certain puppies with slower cognitive development a little bit longer to understand the ground rules of housebreaking. All right. Well, those goats don't sound like they need any disciplining right now, so I think we can use them. <laughs> <clears throat> Definitely well behaved goats. <laughs> Thank you, Zoya. That was good. Uh, mm-hmm. Very interesting. <clears throat> I know that I had uh, some of those issues when I, I got the dog that I have now, who we're, we're like, we're good now, right? But when I got her when she was a puppy, we had a few disciplinary kerfuffles. Because I was in my 20s, and I didn't know what I was doing. That's why I like cats. Yeah. They housebreak themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, what she said is right. I don't want to go too far into it and eat up a bunch of time, but it's a very interesting thing that, like, the way you act, your dogs are a mirror. They reflect your personality. And if if any of our listeners have read any Caesar Milan, that's kind of like the first point. It's like your dog is you. So if you're freaking out, the dog's freaking out, vice versa. If you're chasing it, trying to hit it, then, you know, you're not actually communicating any information. It goes for your kids. How much of the poor outcomes they see is just bad modeling. Mm -hmm. Well, Sister Mia used to say, rehabilitate the dog and train the human. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yep. All right. Well, that was our show for today. Thank you, uh, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, thank you for our chat participants. We had a pretty busy chat today, so that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to tune into the SOT Radio Show on Sunday at noon Eastern time. And if you are outside the Eastern time zone in the U.S., you can go to radio.sot.net on Sunday, and it will show the local uh, airtime on the site there. So be sure to check that out. Uh, everybody have a great weekend, and we will be back next week. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. Yes.